All right, welcome back to Mondays Down South, everybody. Uh, excited after uh, coming at you after week nine. We got Zach and Cy, as always, and then another return guest this week, or sort of a return guest. We got my buddy Lou here from Raleigh on again. Um, for those of you that are avid listeners, you might remember him from uh, a spot during our live draft show um, where he, uh, he came on for his Dolphins reaction. So big Dolphins fan over there. I'll keep the yep. intro short since everyone knows you, but anything you wanted to uh, lead off with? Got the Dolphins hat going? Yeah, no, just excited to uh, talk some more about Tua. Glad to have you. Yeah, I figured it was yeah. timely. We had you on for the Dolphins pick when they drafted Tua, and now he's a couple games yeah. in. Um, looking pretty good. We'll, uh, we'll dive into that. But uh, what about you guys? Anything, Zach, side before we get into hot takes? All I got to say, Lou, is I was between a waiver wire pickup of um, Drew Locke or two, and I went Drew Locke this week. So Drew Locke is playing against the Raiders, and two is going up against the Chargers. It was a close call. This is like a must-win game for me in this league. I'm running like five and four. Went Drew Locke. I'm not sure you feel about it, but maybe after this podcast, if you convince me otherwise, I'll start Tua because he's still – on not picked up by any team. So we'll see throughout the duration of this podcast here. Well, I, oh, I think, think those I, are both good picks, but. My, uh, my one thing about the Dolphins before we fully dive into it later is it's going to be fun to see if I believe correctly, I think Tua and Burrow do battle in a few weeks. And that's going to be fun to see as they battle for the spot to be the second best rookie quarterback in the NFL uh, after Justin Herbert. So well, that'll well, be Tua exciting. crack at Herbert this week. He does. I'm excited about uh, that. Although, I, I mean, yeah. let's be real. We'll talk about it later. We we'll see how I feel after this week. Yeah, we, we can <laughs> yeah. jump into hot takes here. We can jump into hot takes. Lou, you want right, to lead us off? All right. Well, it's in the sense of uh, talking about the Dolphins. Uh, I think my hot take would be that the coach of the year is going to be none other than Brian Flores. Once the Dolphins make the playoffs, uh, come off a struggling season after a few struggling seasons uh brian flora is really bringing this team back around and i think he's he's going to be coach of the year i like that pick a lot i did i never considered that until you just said that but one reason why i really do like it is because he is most likely and correct me if i'm wrong here he's one of the only successful coaches post belichick someone who previously worked for the patriots who has experienced success at the professional level. We look at some of the more recent coaches that used to work under Belichick's arm and are no longer very successful. Josh McDaniels, never really super successful in Denver. And then Matt Patricia in, in Detroit. Detroit has not improved one bit, not even their defense. And so Brian Flores is kind of the, um, the odd man out when it comes to that. And because of that fact alone, I think he – he would get my vote as coach of the year, despite the fact that the Dolphins are not a shoo-in for the playoffs yet. That seventh wild card seed certainly helps um, see if they could sneak in there or not. But I don't have them winning the division, but I could certainly see them sneaking in as a wild card spot. So I like it. I, I actually really like that. And I will say that he'd probably be at the top of my list, although I do think he'll get some stiff competition from Mike Tomlin, who is currently has an undefeated team. And that man just finds a way to win no matter what what situation he's in so uh but i like that the one other thing i want to point to is what does this say about adam gase man this is it like cracks me up like in some, some way somehow we always find a way to tie it back to that and what does it say that caleb balage came out yet like this weekend and balled out against the the uh, or for the chargers and he averaged under 
two yards a carry last year, uh, last year for the Dolphins. Uh, Zach knows that very well, given the fact that he drafted him in our fantasy football <laughs> league this year. So uh, I just thought I'd plug that in there. So oh, I'll say about Dolphins running backs going to other teams. They, uh, they do decent as a Dolphin, and then they go to these other teams and they blow up. You look at Kenyon Drake. I mean, he's – He's staying healthy. He's the guy there. And, you know, it's the same thing. But in terms yeah. of uh, the coach of the year, again, I think if I think you're right. If, if the Steelers end up going undefeated or lose a game or two even, and I think Tomlin might have them in the bag. And that's going to that's gonna be hard to argue. But, um, yeah, Brian Flores is one of the coaches under Belichick who is – you always talk about the coaches under the Belichick tree that just struggle. And he's uh, – so far, he's looking pretty good. But still, still a lot of season left. But I'm liking outlook so far. Yeah, no arguments here either. I, I actually thought Flores could have even, you know, not in the talks to maybe win it, but like in the upper ranks of that, even last year um, with what they did down the stretch. But, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to plug you again here because we were talking two weeks ago. We'll get more into the Dolphins maybe in the recap set segment, but you, you just casually brought up a hot take two weeks ago when you dropped your record projection on the Dolphins. So I don't know if it's changed because this was before they went on the road and beat Arizona, but do you have an updated final record projection for the Dolphins this year? So I told you what I said, 10 and six before this yeah. week, right? I, I think I'm going to stick with my 10 and six. I'm, I'm tempted to say 11 and five, but <laughs> I've, I've learned over my many years as a Dolphins fan, not to get too excited, but, um, or too excited, should I say, but um, <laughs> I think, I think 10 and six is a reasonable, I mean, their next four games they have, um, the Chargers, they have not in this order. They have the Jets, they have the Bengals, and um, dang, what's the other team? They have another. I can't remember the other names, but they have a pretty good four-game stretch here. And then they play um, the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Bills to knock it out. So those are tough ones, but they have a relatively easy schedule coming up. And um, who knows? That last game against the Bills might be for a playoff spot, or might be for the division, or. Bills may have already locked it up, and that might be an easy win for the Dolphins. So, we'll see. We'll call you back at the end of the season. See how that holds. That's a that's a bold yeah. ten six. But uh, what, what about you, Zach? Si, hot takes. What do you guys got? Right, I, I can go real quick. So I'm going to take mine to college football. My hot take is I think a four or five win team actually goes to the college football playoffs this year because of how abysmal some of the other um, conferences are. So. I think right now you have, and, and by the way, for the audience that's listening to this and talking about the Big Ten here and the variety of undefeated 2-0, 3-0 teams that are not going to have the opportunity to play each other. So inevitably, one or two of these teams, whether it be Indiana, Ohio State, Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin, stay undefeated throughout the course of the season, they are certainly going to be trying to rep this Big Ten brand at 4-0 or 5-0 at the end of the season expecting and quite frankly demanding to get into the college football playoffs I think this just goes to show you the absurdity of this year with the COVID season um, but if we look at some of the other conferences size been nagging on the big 12 as he should be um, because they're just straight up abysmal after two weeks the two favorites Texas and OU had already lost OU had lost twice at one point they were one and two during the season so they're a wash I would expect Alabama maybe A&M, maybe Florida. So like, let's just say two of those teams get in and then you have Notre Dame and or Clemson from the ACC side. So you're going to see two teams from the SEC and two teams from the ACC, or you're going to see two teams from the SEC, one team from the ACC, and then somehow, some way, some 4-0, 5-0 team 
from the Big Ten gets the sneak in. So I think that that's going to happen. I don't agree with it. It actually infuriates me because if that happens, the Big Ten gets away with murder again. Um, however, uh, that's my hot take. And it was just something to, to bring up to your radars. Like I didn't quite think it through until I was looking at the standings and I was like, oh my gosh, there's only three or four more games during the season. Ohio State and Maryland aren't even playing this week because of COVID. So like Ohio State could finish at 3-0, 4-0, and they could be knocking on the door expecting a bid. So that's my hot take. You know, I would be very frustrated if that happened. Like, I'm over here shaking my head for a reason because that's, you know, your, your sample size isn't big enough for you to warrant being in that in that Final Four. I know you kind of got screwed with scheduling, so in that way I do kind of feel for them because who knows, what if they are actually good enough to make it if they played a full schedule? But at the same right. time, that's really unfair to some of these other teams that end up losing one game in a really tough matchup or have one off week and had to play a lot more games. Although I do hope that if that does happen, we get them as a four seed because I really hope they play somebody like a Bama or a Clemson at the top. And I just want to see how badly they get steamrolled so people can laugh at these people for putting them in in the first place. So that's the one that's the one takeaway I'll take from that if they get in. Can we be clear? We're talking about Ohio State here, though. Like, I mean, if Ohio State doesn't lose, I don't care how many games it is. Like, you know, with Justin Fields back there, I mean, it's going to be tough to argue the talent and the – the eye test, but uh, and I would not want to play Ohio State as a four. I don't care who we are, but uh, it's a good yeah, I'm, not as big, I'm not as big on Ohio State as you are personally, but fair enough. Fair enough. So you got a hot take. I'm gonna pivot sports. So yeah, I'm also gonna pivot sports. So you could start start us off. All right. Yeah, mine. I was really fired up about this. It's been about a week now, so I've had time to simmer down. But um, in case you missed it, um, the Boston Red Sox rehired Alex Cora as their manager this week, which to me is like just pathetic and disgusting. I mean, for those that followed closely with the Astros scandal, he was the one that was, he was the ringleader within the dugout. It wasn't AJ Hinch. AJ Hinch tried, tried to stop it. And I personally don't even think he should have gotten a job with the Tigers. Although that's probably more punishment than um, him not getting a job because he has to manage the Tigers. But I mean, the fact that the Red Sox had Cora on their staff, he gets hit with the one year suspension as he should. And then naturally you're, you kind of have to fire him. That, that should be it. And it's one thing if another team picked him up, but for your own team to say, all right, you served your suspension. We got you off the payroll for the year. And now we're just going to, you know, hire you again. Like that's, that's just disgusting to me, honestly, considering that he was the main ringleader in the dugout, which I think is proven at this point, along with some of the key players like Beltron, like, I don't think he should have gotten a job in the, uh, you know, in the game ever again, much less with the very team that he was managing for at the time. Like you would think that that would just, I mean, you know, you would give up after that, but I, I just think it's, it's a horrible look for baseball. It's a horrible look for the Red Sox who, um, you know, I think as we know with the Red Sox and, and even all Boston sports team aren't, aren't necessarily the, the classiest um, at all times. So it's just a bad luck and it's just another stain on baseball, which is really going in a bad direction, which is hard for me to say, but. Well, speaking of, you, you, you talk about the Sox. You want to talk about controversial hires. Look at the other Sox with uh, Tony La Russa, which pretty soon after came out with uh, the news of his DUI and all the crazy things that he did. Apparently showed them his World Series ring to try to get out of it. And he's already like a dude in his like mid-70s. And that team is one of the youngest, like most dynamic, most uh, expressive teams out there. 
and you got a guy like that at the helm. I mean, I, I no, all bias aside, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you guys saw, but Marcus Stroman going out there tweeting saying like, I would never play for that guy. I don't care what amount of money they, they gave him. I wouldn't play for that guy. Like that's what I feel like a lot of young players feel. And you're sitting here with the White Sox having hired him, which is extremely frustrating. I guess the Marcus Stroman part is a non-factor because I got to plug my Mets there. He took his qualifying offer. I'm stoked. Uncle Steve is in the, is, is in the house. I'm hyped about that. But questionable hires-wise, the MLB has done a pretty awful job this, this offseason in general. I mean, whether you want to talk about the Hinch, Hinch one, which I agree with Ev, not as bad as Cora. But then you bring Cora back, and then now you got a guy like LaRusso with some of his information coming out. That's three of, like, the few jobs available. So the majority of hires have been – more controversial than not, which is which is pretty awful look for the MLB. And just in general, like Manfred's uh, managing of the MLB. I also don't know if you guys saw, but the Dodgers apparently now have like nine cases of COVID post-World Series. So that's also not looking good. So just Surprise. overall in general, the MLB is just uh, is taking it, taking it, uh, taking it to the face right now. So yeah. Yeah, they botched that, that Turner situation. I don't know if you read any of that news, but they didn't basically suspend him at all or fine him or anything. No, basically because because it came out that the MLB just completely bombed that situation yep. um, as a whole. And just to add on to Little Russa, another hot take, will he even make it to opening day as their manager with how I bad, with how bad the, the reaction to that has been. And you got to think, I mean, there's been like talk in the past of, you know, him like being a borderline racist. And you talk about a team with some, like a lot of, you know, African-American young talent, Tim Anderson has probably, you know, one of the faces of that team. And he's also known to be a no, a no fun manager um, yeah. and talk about a young team that wants to have fun. It just, I mean, another awful one, but uh, you know, I digress on baseball. If there is some shining light, Trevor Bauer, who is kind of the face of the make baseball fun again movement uh, for those that follow him won the Cy Young tonight. So that was great to see um, his first Cy Young. So maybe a, a shining light there, but, uh, but yeah, been a tough off season already for, for baseball. Yeah, I want to give Shane Bieber some love, too, for winning in the AL because he had an absolutely absurd season. Even though it's a 60-game sample, his K-9 to was ridiculous. So, shout out to Bieber as well. We'll jump over to one more sport. The NBA, which surprisingly, you know, I know it ended pretty recently, but there's been a lot of th things floating around the rumor mill. And one of the big things being discussed is um, the Houston Rockets situation with uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden and whether those guys will be sticking around or whether they'll be traded. And I was seeing today reports of – Russ wanting to be traded because of, and I quote from Shams, who quoted Russell Westbrook, he wants more accountability on the floor and wants to be the floor general. The guy that went off in the playoffs and was absolutely awful for his team more often than not, one of the reasons that they couldn't close games out, wants more accountability on the floor and wants to be a floor general. Russell Westbrook, I hope you get traded to the New York Knicks after making a statement like that. Then you can have all the accountability playing for that organization as you want, losing over and over and over again when you say things like that because the Rockets embraced you with open arms and you let them down. I'm sorry. I know I keep coming off as a Russell Westbrook hater, but that one gets me. And then on the flip side of that, James Harden is being spoken about a lot in rumor mills for trades. And apparently some of the teams interested are the Obviously, we know the Sixers because, as we know, uh, they hired Maury, the XGM, small ball, all that going on, and they have the pieces. But also, apparently, the Golden State Warriors, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Denver Nuggets are all in conversations regarding teams that are interested in acquiring James Harden. And 
all of those kind of have some form of weight to them. If, if Harden really does want out, all of those teams could put together pretty viable packages. And the thought of that is just mind blowing to me. So, but here's my hot take with regards to Harden. If James Harden ends up on the Golden State Warriors and willingly accepts the going to the Golden State Warriors, I think his legacy will be worse if he wins a championship with the Warriors than if he were to stay in Houston and not win a championship. That's how I personally see it. So that is my hot take with regards to James Harden and to Russell Westbrook. And I just wanted to uh, put that plug out there because this is all super hot news today. I don't disagree with that. I just want to bring it real quick back to the accountability thing with Russell Westbrook. This is also the same player that was the only one on the Houston team to get it, I believe, ejected from a game or got somebody ejected from the game. This guy was screaming at babies after he hit a layup. Uh, he was uh, screaming at Rondo's brother. If you guys remember that, got Rondo's brother tossed out of a game. Like, this man is like the antithesis of accountability. So I just thought that was funny. And I would love to see Russell Westbrook get traded to the Knicks. That would be that would make my my that would make my evening. It really would. So that's all I got to say on the matter. Triple doubles for days, baby. Triple doubles for days. <laughs> As they go thirty and fifty three or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Thirty and 53. exactly. I'll say he's right. the kind of guy though that definitely at least thinks that he can go to the Knicks and fix a lot of their problems. That he can be the guy and be a, and he wants the accountability because he thinks he can fix those problems and whether he can or not. I wouldn't think so, but definitely. I mean, I, mean, I, think I have a good question here. What do you think is uh, is going to be a higher number? The amount of wins that the Knicks would get with Russell Westbrook or his three point percentage? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would turn that into a. Oh, that's a that's a good over under. Might have to turn I mean, it into like a little poll for MDS. Yeah, let's let's turn that into a poll. If I had, to, like the if Instagram I had to pick, story, let's do, do it. A little poll, do it. Yeah. I think because of the state of the East, I would actually call me crazy. And especially because they're going to have a high draft pick again, I would actually take the Knicks winning more games than Russell Westbrook's three-point percentage because I don't expect him to shoot more than like 30% from three. So that's my take. I'm going to agree because and my follow-on to Lou, I was like, he is talented enough and overall good enough to like kind of blip a team into like almost playoff contention, especially in the East. Yeah. Like, he's not a winning player like we've talked about, you know, ad nauseum yeah. on this pod. But, like, he, he is talented enough and a good enough player. Like, if he goes out there and gets triple doubles every night, you know, you're going to win some games. I mean, you might sneak in as, like, an eight even with how bad that Knicks roster is. But, yeah, I'll take the Knicks winning more games than his three-point percentage. You got, you got an answer, Luke? I think I, I think I go with the Knicks. Uh, well, it also depends if they play a full season. I think that t- comes into account. True. But, uh True. Oh, I, I do think pro rate. Yes, I think mm-hmm. I agree. I think uh, Knicks win more games. I guess Zach, we got interesting. We, if it's seventy-two games, I'm going to take Russ's three-point percentage. I think he shoots twenty-eight, twenty-nine percent. I don't think the Knicks <laughs> do that in a seventy-two game season. <laughs> you managed. You managed to disrespect Russ with two statements right there. Like <laughs> cherry on the top. All right, we'll jump over to the NFL because. Uh, I know we always, I know we always want to spend a good bit of time on this, and obviously the relevance of it is uh, is is great. Let me let me tee it up, Lou. Do you have anyone in particular you want to talk about from this past weekend? You got any particular matchup? Anything that happened? Anything that caught your eye regarding this uh, this weekend's slate of games? Well, I think I'd like to start with the uh, the Monday night game, the Patriots Jets game, and I it's it's hard to tell whether I mean we know the Jets are a bad team, and we think the Patriots are a bad team, but it's always hard to tell with Belichick. But um, 
that game, I think the Patriots played very poorly, and I don't think they're a very good team. I think they underperform for what they are, but I still don't think they're a good team. And I think the Jets had some good moments, and I think they, dare I say, played better with Flacco than they would have with um, – uh, Mr. Darnold. Like Darnold. Sam, Sam yeah. Darnold. Yes, thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was just an interesting game, and I was not expecting that turnout. And um, I think uh, Cam struggled a little bit, and um, I, I just think that was an interesting game for that to be as close as it was. It should not have been that close, as for how bad the Jets are now. Just the Patriots having the Patriots name and having Belichick. Yeah, you know, one thing that really cracks me about that game, for fantasy implication-wise, is, like, the number of people in, in this country with lineups that – or any of the country with, with lineups where the Patriots were all they had left going into Monday night, and they needed, like, four or five points to win their matchup. And you think for sure the Patriots' defense against the Jets is going to win you that matchup, and they get you two points. So that was pretty crazy to see Joe Flacco go ball out against the Patriots like that. Um, Good old MVP Joe days back at the what was it? What was the phrase that, that they said when he won? Uh, what was it? Elite money is what he got from the Ravens after <laughs> after they won that Super Bowl. If I remember correctly, yeah. Well, he 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 played like he was elite money, what relevant to his recent history on Monday night. So that was interesting. You guys got any takes on that game? Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Jet. That's all I have to say. I just looked <laughs> at the standings there. Jacksonville is the only one with it that's within one game. I think Minshew comes back relatively soon. Um, I just Minshew ain't start when he comes back for the record. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, but I, I just can't see any other team. New York Giants, New York Giants, are, I think are are bad enough, but they just got their new quarterback. They seem to believe in him. Uh, I, I think the Jets are are pretty much a, a solid lock for that number one overall pick. So that's the only that's the only takeaway I, I get from from every Jets game until the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. Well. I, I was just going to say, I think that's the nail on the coffin on the Patriots for me. I, I mean, I think we were, it was pretty much a done deal that they weren't going to contend this year um, after some of the last couple games, but I think we kind of held out maybe a glimmer of hope. Um, uh, even though they won that game, I, I think that's the nail in the coffin for me. I don't think they have any, any chance at even in a 17 playoff making it. I was going to say going off your take of um, them getting Trevor what do you think happens to Sam Darnold then? Where do you think he gets traded? Where do you think he plays in with another team? Maybe I'll take him. I'll, I'll, I'll happily, I'll happily take him. I think he's slept on. I think he's been in an awful situation. I think you get him a good offensive line. You put him in a position with a good run game and all he has to do is make the open throws and keep the drive moving. And Sam Darnold is more than capable of doing that in my opinion. Like he's not going to be an elite quarterback, but I definitely think he'd win games in the right situation. And he's been on an awful team with no offensive line, a few weapons to play with, an awful coach, and a bad defense. So I, I think he deserves that shot somewhere else. And I'll happily take him, assuming we're not giving up more than, like, you know, a, a, more than, I don't know. I, get, I would consider giving up a second-round pick for him. But even that I would be wary of because some part of me feels like we can get him for less if we already know they're trying to, trying to move on from him, similar to that Rosen deal. So, yeah, I'll happily take him. Uh, do we want to jump over to another game? Let's yeah, I got, it. I got another game here. Um, so I really want to talk about the Pittsburgh-Dallas game. What in the heck happened in that game? <laughs> it's wild, man. It's wild. What happened? That was crazy. 
crazy. Um, I, I don't know if there's an answer to that. From Austin, he <laughs> threw $2 on the Cowboys to, to win. And he was going crazy. for two. He was going crazy over $2. But he was just more excited about the fact that that was actually what was going to happen for a majority portion of the game. And so, obviously, the last five, six minutes um, – I the truth be honest, I, I didn't even watch this game. I was catching some of the other ones. Um, I'm not sure what necessarily went wrong there for Pittsburgh. Um, just considering the Dallas Cowboys are not known for having a, a great defense, like they have struggled in the past throughout the entire season. Um, but I just think Ben Roethlisberger struggled a little bit, and then the defense gave up early touchdowns, a couple of field goals, and then they were able to finally kind of hunker down in the second half and get the job done for Pittsburgh. But Cy, I'll kick it over to you guys. Like what the heck happened in this game? Yeah. So I, I think one big thing was it seemed like for the most part, the Steelers run game was neutralized. Like if I, if I saw correctly, James Conner and Benny Snell and whoever else they had back there didn't do a whole lot running wise. And then Ben, I, I think had an off game and all, more credit to the Cowboys there for playing, uh, playing solid defense all around, but he had a rough game. And if I remember correctly, I think he was like, hobbling I think at some point he got hurt and was hobbling around and like Ben always does even on like one leg or one arm he finishes games so you're not there to finish the game and they won but by no means was that a great victory for the Steelers uh I'm not scared for the Steelers you know like they had one game where they really struggled against them. Uh, admittedly not a great team playing Garrett Gilbert who seems to be a better option than than Dalton at this point given given the way he went out and showed out this this weekend but um, I, I don't know. I'm not like super concerned about the Steelers because of this. Like every team has had, has had a rough week, but at least with rough weeks, they managed to win this one. Whereas like a lot of other teams have lost those. So I'm not worried about the Steelers, but a little more credit to the Cowboys. than I think maybe we've given them over the last couple of weeks because they took that game down to the wire. And if Gilbert can, can manage a little bit more and their offensive line gets a little bit healthier, like they're not just going to be a super easy win for everyone that plays them. They proved that this weekend. So that's, that's what I take away from it. Yeah, I don't yeah, have I too much to add to that. Lou, go for it. I was going to say, I think there's there's two parts that I think the uh, the Steelers, obviously the Steelers have a great defense, but their offense is good, not great, I would say. And if you look at uh, offensive weapons on both those sides, I would, even with a much better quarterback playing in that game, I would still give the offensive weapons to the Cowboys. And I think even, even mm. against a good defense, with those weapons, I think they can kind of sneak, they can get some points on the board, they can do stuff, and then, I think the Steelers' offense just was was off on their game, and that combination made it that close. You know, that's probably pretty even. That's a good question, Lou. Like, well, I'll throw that up to everybody. What's the? Do you guys think, excluding quarterback, do you think the skill player positions on offense for the Steelers or the Cowboys are better? With the Steelers, we're talking, um, we're talking obviously uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. We're talking James Washington. We're talking uh, uh, Claypool. We're talking Deontay Johnson, and then we're talking James Conner. With, with the mixed up backfield. And then on the uh, Cowboy side, we're talking CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, and uh, uh, Michael Gallup. So that's a lot of offensive firepower on both teams, if you, if, you, if you consider that. So that's a hard question, actually. I've got Dallas's playmakers 100%. I think Michael Gallup is still one of the most underrated receivers in the league. Um, but I think it's all the Cowboys invest in. They threw so much money on skill position players. You know, obviously their their offensive line is not the offensive line of three, four years ago when uh, uh, Zeke and Dak were just running house on defenses. Uh, they've collapsed. Like their offensive line is is on their heels here. So, 
you know, there's obviously a lot of other issues in Dallas right now, but from a skill position standpoint, I've got Zeke and, uh, and the Cowboys. I think it's tight though. I'd probably go the same way. And I think Zeke is probably the one that puts it over the top. Cause as good yep. as Connor is, I think he, he, you know, that's a pretty big gap there because, and they're a little more proven, but like Claypool, Deontay Johnson and Juju, that is a problem. And James Washington and Eric Ebron. Uh, I'm so. not a, yeah, Ebron is solid. I mean, yeah, you didn't mention Ebron. Yeah, yeah, Connor's a good back too. So, um, yeah, I, this these games are going to happen. Like Sai said, I think it's just um, one of those things. I don't. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Zach, Zach, you or who's got a who's got another game? We, we yeah, I got about? one more final game. We got to talk about. Right. We can switch over to our analytics and and our picks and whatnot. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, guys. <laughs> What in the world happened <laughs> this game either? That was that was a huge yikes. I mean, what do I what do I have to say? I've been saying all season <laughs> the Saints have been getting slept on. They've been without Michael Thomas. People aren't giving Drew Brees enough credit. Their defense is going to figure it out. And on the flip side, I've been saying the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are getting too much credit. They beat the Giants by two points and they get a ton of credit. They lose to the Bears and then the next week they beat the admittedly beat the Packers by a good margin. They get credit. I said to Zach after that game, I said. You think the Buccaneers are calling up Randy Moss right now and seeing if he'll come out of retirement to come join them? Because <laughs> apparently they think the solution to getting better is to just add more people. And I think they're forgetting that only one person can catch a football on each play. So all I, all I have to say is this is what I've been saying all year. I'm not coming out here and pretending like I, I was guessing that the Saints were going to win in the, in the fashion that they won, holding the Buccaneers to three points. But am I surprised the Saints beat them by a good margin? No, I'm not. I felt pretty confident that the Saints were the best team in the NFC South from day one, and I've stuck to that. And I, I, and I think this game proved it because now they've beaten them twice, and the Saints have managed to win games for most of the season with a lot of injuries around their core players. So they're proving that they know how to win and know, they know how to show up in the big games, and I don't know that the Bucks are. So that's all I have to say. I'll say I'll, I'll piggyback off what you're saying. I, I agree the Saints are a good team. And the Bucks can be a good team. I think similar to what I was saying about the Cowboys, I think the Bucks have the offensive weapons to be able to make plays, but I think their offensive players are better and they can make those plays more often. And they have Tom Brady, who this always bites me in the ass. Every every year I say this, but he's washed. He's probably by far the best field general on that in that position. And he can manage the game like no one else in the game. And I will give him that. And he's He's not as accurate as he once was. He can't throw the deep ball. He's got all these deep threats that he he can't accurately throw to. And um, the Saints are a good team. And everybody, you're hating on Drew Brees and saying he's getting old, but he's still he's still got it. And and Michael Thomas was back this week, and he didn't even do much this week. But even having him as a presence on the field is uh, big to pull some cornerbacks off. But yeah, the Saints are a very good team. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Obviously, a huge statement by the Saints. We kind of still, you know, see what we get out of the Bucks' offense. I think they'll come around, like I said, for weeks. Obviously, I'm not completely giving up on the Bucks, But, yeah, I mean, I think obviously a huge statement made by the uh, the Saints. And credit to you, Cy, for always being on that train. But, um, yeah, just shocked that it was not even competitive considering yeah, the Bucks. The Bucks were coming off a bad game, so – you know, before that game, they kind of had all the momentum, like, oh, they're going to win a Super Bowl, Brady's going to win MVP, and they have a down game, and you say, okay, that's a trap game, okay, that's fine, and then you come out in, you know, probably the biggest game of the year for them, um, given it's in the division, and just completely lay flat, you know, Antonio Brown back on the field, 
Um, you know, I mean, just, yeah, bad look um, all around. But I think it's, it's more just a statement win by the Saints. And then, um, like I said, not giving up on the Bucks by any means. But, um, yeah, I think the division is um, the Saints to lose at this point, obviously. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to just, like, one simple thing. And it's, like, a position threat. So, for example, the Saints, they got their positional players back at receiver. They got Emmanuel Sanders back. They got Mike Thomas back. And as a result, that was more of a threat, right? So they were allowed to have those dump-off pass to Alvin Kamara without having the the entire linebackers and, and, and or an eight-man box run after Alvin because that's what they expected. Now they had to kind of be on their heels a little bit more because they got two of their best receivers back. And then on the flip side of things, I think – a lot of corners don't respect the threat of Brady as much anymore. And you can see that in the velocity of his throws or lack of velocity, I should say. Brady has thrown more pick six in this season already than he has in many other years. And it's because he doesn't have that zipper velocity on the ball, especially on those out routes. Like if you see those 10, 10 yard out routes, that's where a lot of his pick sixes are coming from. And you can't blame the guy. He's 40 plus. He just doesn't have the zip on that ball. And, what that means for corners is they just see the dollar signs. They see that end zone already, and they're waiting for that receiver to break because, you know, I don't know. Godwin's kind of a possession receiver. AB's considered a possession receiver, despite the fact that he has deep threat um, potential. And then Mike Evans is like technically a deep threat, but he's not as fast downhill. Like he's still a big hands, like go up and make a catch 10, 15 yards in. When you have all of those players running 10, 15 yard routes, you know, his th Brady's throws do get somewhat predictable. So, you know, that's just uh, an observation I had that was especially shown in that previous game. Let me pose a question to you guys, though. We talked a lot about the Patriots picking up momentum as the season – or sorry, not the Patriots, the Buccaneers picking up momentum as the season goes along, right? Clearly, that hasn't been the case these last few weeks with the Giants and the, Buc with the, Giants and the uh, um, Saints – were you more worried or more shocked by the performance of their offense with Tom Brady throwing three interceptions and them only scoring three points? Or were you more worried about the performance of their defense with the Saints putting up the number of points that they did? And it seemed like with ease, like they had 31 points in the first half against a Buccaneers defense that was being argued as top three to five in the league, which they didn't even look like they showed up. Like that part was kind of mind blowing. So I'm curious what you guys are more worried about. I'm going to go with the defense because the whole reason that they were getting that hype of, you know, Super Bowl contenders and whatnot was more so because of how strong the defense was playing, which was well better than what we expected. And, you know, I still think the offense is going to come around. Um, so I'm going to go with, I mean, obviously the offense is more concerning, but I'm more concerned about the Bucks' outlook based on how the defense looked, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of these games they've been winning are, because of their defense and how well their defense has been playing. And we going into the season, you hear everything about all their weapons and you expect their offense to be good. And just, I personally at least wasn't expecting their defense to be as good as it is. And um, if their defense can't keep them in games, their offense is going to have games like this. They're definitely not going to win games, even though they, they could easily, you know, put up a lot of points in any given game, but um, they need that defense to kind of keep them in it on a lot of these big games. I really like this question, side because I'm sure like the normal viewer would like expect us to all say the offense, just given how atrocious they played last week. But I'm also going to go defense as well, because not only they're giving up a lot of points, 
but they also still have to play heavy pass offenses in the near future. They still have to play Atlanta twice with Julio and Calvin Ridley, and they still have to play Kansas City. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to need wins now, given these that the loss last week and a couple of their other losses. I think they're sitting at five and three or six and three, maybe six and three. Um, but they're going to have to get wins, and I think their schedule only intensifies uh, later in the season. So definitely defense. Yeah, I'm, I think Ev summed it up perfectly. I'm with all of you guys. I think it's the defense, but for the not for the reason of me thinking their defense is worse than their offense, but like what Ev said, <laughs> it's the fact of the matter is that you expect more from their defense in games that they win uh, more than you do their offense because that's the staple of their team. It seems like in a lot of these games that won, the Packers are your perfect example, the way they shut them down, even though their offense didn't score a ton of points. That's what you expect, and that's not what you got against the Saints, and you wonder if this is going to be a repetitive pattern. So we'll see if they bounce back. And speaking of defenses, I feel like we need to have like a weekly 30-second moment of silence for run defenses that Dalvin Cook plays because what like, – I, I, like what – like at this point, you know they're running the ball at you and you can't do a damn thing about it. I love talking about Dalvin Cook and I love having him in fantasy football and I know most of you agree with me. Lou, I don't know if you have him in any leagues. But forget about fantasy for a second. Let's just talk about how ridiculous this man has been. He has been single-handedly carrying the Vikings to victories for the last two weeks. I haven't seen running performances like this in a long time. And I'm talking pure running. Like, forget receiving. I'm talking give him the ball, and it doesn't matter how many defenders are in front of him. They can't touch him. It's, it's been unreal. So I just wanted to – he needs a little bit of time to be talked about. He deserves that, that appreciation. So I'm just putting it out there for you guys if you have any words on that. Not much to I, say. I think, I think, I mean, I think, you know, he's, he's an elite running back. He, if he can stay healthy, he's, I'd say second best in the league behind McCaffrey, which is, I still think a compliment to him, but um, he's, he's elite. That's all you can say. I think he surpassed McCaffrey at this point, my man. I think oh. Dalvin is straight cooking this season, no pun intended. <laughs> And I want to give a quick shout out to Julian Fadulian, who signed up and thank Ball and get him out. Um, David Johnson is not surpassed Dalvin Cook, and he probably will never will in the future. So just wanted to uh, give him a quick shout out because he's a big Dave, DJ fan, and he argued before the season, if I if I remember correctly, that he would actually have a better season than Dalvin Cook. Um, given a variety of reasons that make no sense so without further ado we could is this a bad is this a bad time to plug julian's podcast <laughs> after oh, that yeah. <laughs> follow julian's let's, podcast let's, let's roast his takes and then, play <laughs> and then plug his podcast. yeah i have one honorable mention i know we don't want to derail this and it is about the football team but shout out alex smith who is now a starting quarterback in the NFL again. Just the comeback story yeah. continues. Obviously, it was because of a horrible injury to Kyle Allen, um, which yeah. I think was my fault because if you remember, my hot take last week was about Kyle Allen being the best quarterback oh, in our division. Yeah. So I think I jinxed it. And the other hilarious thing that I wanted to mention, I meant to do it on Lou's intro here because um, I was just listening to the episode back. Cy, if you made the joke that um, you compared me saying Kyle Allen is the best NFC East quarterback to – you saying that you're the best pole vaulter in the room, if you remember. Well, we now have a college pole vaulter in the room, which I no think is hilarious. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. I meant to do that as there part of the intro because I literally just listened to the episode back and I thought that was hysterical that, that Lou's coming on this week. Wow, that's crazy. What that's there you go. That's <laughs> what's, your, what's your PR, Lou? 
14 feet. Yeah, mine's, mine's six feet. No, I, mine's actually <laughs> oh, probably less than that. It's probably, it's like <laughs> one of the little boxes, the little box jumps you get, the jump, the gym. I'll just go three feet. That's that's what I could do. That's what I could clear. Hey, if you can get off the ground, that's a start. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, uh, but yeah, we can pivot over to picks. I'll, uh, looking at last week, um, Zach came out on top, it looks like. 11 Ooh. and three. Impressive week. Wow. And you, um, I had 10 and then, um, our guest, uh, Mr. Matt Penny and Cy were nine and five. So everyone did pretty well. Wow. And you guys would be proud to hear that I fixed our money line calculation as well. Um, so Zach and myself were profitable last week. Um, Zach was up about three units, which is pretty good. So good stuff. Still on the year, Cy at about 64% is still our season long champ. Um, up about six and a half units on the year. And then and Zach, you're at 61, I'm at 60. Um, and as always, another solid performance by the guest pickers. So Lou, a lot to live up to. Pressure's on, yeah. baby. I'm nervous pressure's now, I get some pressure. All right, well, well uh, without further ado, we can get into our week 10 matchups here. We kick it off with the Thursday matchup, Colts at Titans. Big divisional matchup here. I'm actually really pumped that this is our first game of this week uh just starting it with a bang the line is even lou who you got i think i go colts on this one in a close one this is uh i think the colts defense is outstanding and the titans unless derrick henry can have a derrick henry kind of night as he tends to do um they're gonna have trouble playing against that defense and uh all the colts offenses struggled Titans defense isn't great. And I think, uh, I think the Colts can squeeze guy with a close win here. I'm going to take Titans. This is a true pick for me though. I've tossed it around quite a bit, but I'm going to go Titans at home. Who you got Zach? I've got Titans simply because I think they score touchdowns, whereas the Colts drive and they kick field goals. I have like a, I have like a 20, 24, 20 game or something, 24, 19 game. I, I actually – I can't fault Zach or Evan for, for picking the Titans because I agree with you guys. I think offensively we've been driving the ball down the field or committing and then committing either stupid mistakes or, or kicking field goals. I will say, and even though he hasn't gotten a lot of credit this year because of his lack of fantasy performance, we have T.Y. back tomorrow night, and that's huge for us in terms of extending drives. You, 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 may, you might want to say that as much as you will, Ev, but as a true Colts fan, like I promise you, when we need those third downs and the way we play offense, that's huge for us. And that alone is why I'm going to pick the Colts because our defense has continued to be merciless. They held the, the Ravens to 14 points last week. They, they, the Ravens had a defensive touchdown. So I think they'll go out and, and play real well against Titans offense. So I got my Colts. Cool. Switching over to our next game, our 1 PMers here. Uh, we got the Houston Texans at the Browns. The line is three to the Browns. Ev, we'll, we'll give you this first one, then Lou, then Cy. So, uh, Ev, who you got in this matchup? I think it'll be a good game, and it's not a bad bet, but I'll take Cleveland at home. Off a bye. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I think I don't think the Texans are uh, – they can score offensively, but they're, they haven't been playing very well. And uh, the Browns are hit or miss. Hopefully get them on a hit day, but um, I think the Browns. Hey, guys, you go. I've got Houston in this game. I think Houston comes out and they win big. I love that spread. I would actually take Houston money line, entertaining it actually, just because of the the brilliant performance of Will Fuller. Uh, Deshaun Watson uh, said something in the post game saying like, "Thank gosh we didn't trade that guy because we're gonna we're gonna start utilizing him to its fullest uh, potential." So 
I've got Houston uh, upset. I want to pick Houston, but I think Nick Chubb comes back this week from, from what we're seeing from practice reports, and that alone has me picking Cleveland because that Cleveland offense was a two-headed monster with him and Kareem Hunt, and I think they get back to their ways there. So I'm going to take Cleveland for that reason. I think it's going to be very close. Moving forward here, we'll start with E on this one because the Washington football team plays at the Lions. The line was previously 3-4. Now it's 4.5 Detroit's way. Ev, what you got? Yeah, I think for, uh, that line is a little more realistic, uh, Detroit at home. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. It, Detroit hasn't been playing great, but uh, I still think they're the better team, and you got to take them at home. So, Detroit. Detroit as well for me. Kuna, what about you? Detroit. Okay. All right, moving forward here, we got the Jags playing at the Packers. I can just kick this one off because it's one word. Packers, 100%. Packers. Packers. Packers, I'm betting the spread. All right. Well, hey, another 13 and a half. Wait, you're betting the spread. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not actually putting money on it, but I'm taking that spread. I take the Packers on That's that your spread. lock pick? Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, not, no, no, it's not my lock <laughs> No, hold on. It's not my lock pick. I'm saying I expect the Packers to win by 14. That's what I'm saying. The Jags offense actually looks better with Luton or whatever the heck his name is. Chark came alive. Carry <laughs> on. We don't need points, to talk about dude. this. They, they did. Yeah. Jags put up points last week. The Packers offense looks better with Devontae Adams. Uh, let's continue. All right. Anyways, I, I digress here. We'll move on to the next matchup, divisional matchup, NFC East. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, 3-4-1, playing at the 2-7 and seven Giants. The spread is 3.5, Philly's way. Lou, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, who you got? I'm taking the Giants on this one. Playing at home um, against a – pretty still i mean both teams have been struggling but the giants have been scoring points offensively so i think i take the giants the giants have looked good i think they might be the better team so i'm gonna take them to win here as well giants as well for me go blue sorry we can't Eagles. thank you we I'm can't all do that you guys we I'm did it again last week picking the washington <laughs> football team and they and lost. We went, We got to stop that. So good job, Cy. That means you're going to get that right. Yeah, I was about to say, Cy, you're going to cash in on that one. Uh, another divisional matchup, NFC South. We got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking for their identity at this point. Uh, going up to Charlotte, playing the Carolina Panthers. Spread is 5.5 Tampa Bay's way. I like that spread. I'm going to go Tampa Bay to win, but I also think they cover that. That's just my opinion. Yeah, we, we disagree here, I think. I mean, I think Tampa Bay will win without uh, McCaffrey. I presume that he will be out. Um, yeah. So I'll take Tampa Bay, but don't feel good about that spread at all based on last week's performance. Yeah, I don't like that spread at all in Tampa Bay's favor. I think I think it'll be a close game. I mean, sure, they could cover it, but I don't know what they've done the last two weeks to convince me that they'll decisively win that game. But the fact that McCaffrey's out, I'm taking Tampa Bay to win by a close margin. Yeah, I think even with McCaffrey out, I think in a close one, I take uh, the Panthers on this one. Oh, I, I like that. Especially, this might be recency bias based on uh, last week's performances, but Panthers' offense looked good. Game, I, I respect that. Uh, moving forward here to our 405 game. Si, we'll start with you on this one. The Denver Broncos, fresh off a loss in Atlanta are playing at the Las Vegas Raiders in the Death Star. The spread is five, Las Vegas' way. Um, who are you feeling on this matchup? Run the ball with Josh Jacobs, throw the ball to Darren Waller. Raiders. The Raiders are good. I don't like I, – I, I, 
I don't dislike that five-point spread either. Raiders. Yeah, I agree. I go to the Raiders. They've been playing well. Raiders for me as well, even though I, I hope Drew Locke keeps it close and gets a couple last-minute touchdowns and need it for fantasy implications. Uh, switching over to the game that we were talking about earlier, the Los Angeles Chargers playing at the Miami Dolphins. Miami is rocking a 2.5 spread right now. Lou, we'll kick it over to you because you're a Dolphins guy. I'm assuming no question to it, right, or, or what you got in this one? Uh, yeah, no question I'm going to. I think that's a low spread. I think Dolphins are coming off a couple big game, big wins, and uh, playing at home against uh, a quarterback, I think they can kind of neutralize with their defense. So I go Dolphins. What was this spread right again, Zach? Two and a half. Point five Miami's away. At home. Okay. Mm-hmm. At home. Yeah, th- this, is, uh, this is whatever you want to call it, a best bet. I think I got two best bets this, this week. This is one-on-one Dolphins win and cover. It is hard to contain Herbert. Uh, Herbert always keeps it close, but they find a way to lose. But, uh, yeah, two and a half says that they think the Chargers are better than the Dolphins, which I think is garbage. Lou and I were talking about it before. I mean, the Dolphins look really, really solid, so. Do yeah. I think? Oh, oh go sorry, go ahead, Zach. Right, I was I gonna say, do I? <laughs> go ahead. I'll, I'll edit all this out. It's no big deal. We're not actually gonna edit it out, though. <laughs> We're not editing it out. Go ahead. Good to go. All right. <laughs> and this is Mondays down south. All right. With, 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 I'm gonna pick. Do I think the Dolphins are the better team than the Chargers? Yes. Do I think the Dolphins will beat the Chargers this week? No, I'm taking the Chargers this week. I think I think the Chargers are going to come out really dang hot after these last two losses that they had. So I'm taking the Chargers this week. Well, that might be tough for us to decide on a bet then, Zach. <laughs> yeah, that we get over the wraps, but I do respect the picks. I, I, I have the Miami covering, and I think, I think Miami's defense is going to really, really test – Herbert. I think Herbert's going to have his first major bad game of the year. He's going to have his welcome to the rookie or welcome to the league moment, I should say, as a rookie. Um, If you look at the Dolphins defense, I believe, Lou, and correct me if I'm wrong here, they've they've converted two defensive touchdowns and a couple of special teams touchdowns. So they run away early. And if they can continue this defensive dominance, I think they could really, really pose a problem for Herbert. Um, I could see a, a very sobering performance for him. Uh, just my opinion. Um, but moving forward here to one of our final 405 games, Buffalo Bills are playing at the Cardinals. Um, right now, the spread is minus 1.5 Arizona's way. Yeah, th- this is one we didn't mention from last week with the Bills beating the Seahawks at home and scoring 44 points, even though the Seattle's defense is awful. But uh, the Bills look super, super legit. It's tough going out west. The Dolphins just went out west and didn't have any problems, so I'm not going to pick against the Bills here, even though Arizona's favored. Yeah, I'm taking yeah, the Bills. Yeah, the Bills look really good. I mean, their offense is clicking and their defense is good, so I go Bills. You know, I think Cliff Kingsbury is the only one that can develop some type of scheme to throw the Bills off guard. The Bills are disciplined, they're organized, and I think that's why they outperform. Uh, their their opponents but I just think the Cardinals are are a different beast and Kyler's coming off a very fresh game I've got the cards in this one guys I think the cards come out and sneak one out especially at home too in a much needed win considering they're five and three Um, moving over to a divisional matchup here the Seattle Seahawks are playing at the Rams 
the Rams are still favored through Wednesday, guys. 1.5 LA's way. Um, Ev, we'll start with you. Who you got? Here's my other best bet. Take the Seattle money line there. I don't think the Rams are actually that good. And, and yeah, the Seahawks are going on the road here. But coming off a loss, and it's not like they have to travel across the country. It's a short trip. Seattle. I agree with that. I, I take Seattle money line. They're, they've had a couple bad games, but they're a really good team. Seattle I feel, re- I feel really bad for Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and locking all those guys on offense, uh, putting up the points that they've been putting up in their defense, blowing the, the games that they have. But having Jamal Adams back for a second week, I, I'm going to take Seattle in this one. I've got Seattle money line as well. Uh, we moving go. on to our, uh, our our final matchups here. We've got the 49ers at the Saints. The Saints are spread right now is 9.5, you know, most likely as a result of their previous game. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's coming back for the 49ers. I believe Mostert has a chance. Uh, Ev, we'll start with you. Who you got in this one? Yeah, well, they'll get their COVID guys back, which is Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne, so that's big. And then Mostert and Debo both have a chance, whatever that means from Kyle Shanahan. But Saints will win. Maybe a tough cover, though. But I take the Saints. Saints. I think, yeah, I take the Saints tough cover, but I'm gonna go Saints as well. I, I I'm like entertaining the idea of all the uh, they're all coming back from injury. It's it's not gonna happen. Saints win. Uh, by a landslide. I think it's, I think that's a pretty fair spread to be honest. Um, Bengals at Steelers here. Steelers. Side did we skip you? Undefeated. No, so I went first. I, yeah. I said, I said, I'll take the Saints. I'm, I'm actually going to take the spread for them too. Good stuff. All right. Uh, Bengals at Steelers here. Pittsburgh is rocking a seven point spread. I personally like that. I, maybe I can kick this one off here. I think, I think the Bengals cover that spread, but I think Pittsburgh wins, if that makes sense. So I got Pittsburgh from a uh, win standpoint. This is, this is going to be a fun one. Joe Burrow going into Heinz Field for the first time, and he's going to be excited coming off that bye week. Mixon might come back, um, although it looks actually kind of doubtful, um, which is a surprise. But um, Steelers win. We'll see about the spread, but I, I'm excited for that game. I think it's going to be kind of fun. Who you got, Luke? Yeah, I think I think the Steelers win and they cover. Um, they always play well in those divisional games, and they're they'll bounce back after a tough win this week. Yeah, I see the I see the Steelers winning on a touchdown on like a last minute drive. That's what I see. Uh, I see that kicking over to another AFC matchup, the Sunday night game. This is an interesting one. Patriots off fresh off a win here. They're going to try to continue this this win streak in order to have some type of playoff hope Baltimore Ravens come into town fresh off a victory. Now, albeit it wasn't pretty. So the Baltimore Ravens are playing at the Patriots right now. The spread is seven Baltimore's way. Um, Ev, you want to kick this one off? This is, this is a tough one for me. Yeah. I, I think these are two teams trending in the opposite direction. Baltimore, I've been hard on them in the last few weeks, but uh, after that impressive win over the Colts, um, I'm starting to, tick back up with Baltimore and then the Patriots, like I said, I don't, I think they're done. So I'm going to take Baltimore. I don't know if they cover, but I do like the over under here, which I think is like 44, if I'm not mistaken, 43 and a half. So I think that's a good over for me. Go ahead, Luke. Yeah, I think this is going to be a close one. I think the Ravens um, had a good game last week, but have been struggling this season in general. Um, and I think Belichick can 
have a good scheme against them. And if the Patriots play well, they definitely got a chance to win this. But uh, I think I take the Patriots, a close one. Ooh. Who you got, Zebra? I like that pick, Lou. I've been thinking about that, too, but I got to go Baltimore's way. However, I agree with Ev. I love the over on that. That might be my lock-in bet of the week. Cash it in, ladies and gentlemen. Patriots, Ravens, over 43-and-a-half. I I actually thought I was going to be the only one to pick the Patriots, but Lou beat me to the punch, so I guess we're we're together (laughs) on this one, brother. I'm going Patriots. There we go. The one thing I wanted to mention, I'm doing all the things I wanted to mention in awful order, but sorry about that. But uh, I thought it was interesting. Lamar came out today and said that their offense has been super predictable and that the defense is actually calling out what plays they're running before they happen. I thought that was pretty interesting. And hopefully now that they've kind of raised that issue, they can kind of figure it out and start to disguise the plays better on offense. But I thought that was an interesting thing that came out uh, today or at some point this week. Geez, that's that's a pretty interesting point. It actually leads into this final game because speaking of predictable offenses, just give it to Dalvin, the Minnesota Vikings. But guess what? You still can't stop it, even if you know it's coming. So Minnesota Vikings are playing at Chicago. Right now the spread is leaning 2.5 Minnesota's way. Um, I can kick this one off here, final game Monday night. I have got the Bears to win this, and I have them. So obviously they're going to cover. I have the money line. That's a, I, I'm confident in that. As much as I've been hating on the Bears this season, I think their defense plays extra, extra tough at home. And I think Nick Foles um, now, you know, rocking a two-game losing streak. Now the, the Bears are five and four. I think it's, uh, it's time for them to turn it around. I got the Bears winning this one Monday night. What do you got, Lou? Uh, I think this will be a good game. But um, I think they're both kind of fake good teams. But I think I take uh, – I think Dalvin Cook against that good Bears defense over um, Nick Foles doing anything useful. What you got, E? Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to pick Vikings, but Zach, I like where your head is at. If nothing else, betting against Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football is usually a good strategy. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he's, I don't know if he still hasn't won a Monday Night Football game, but he is a nightmare in prime time. But again, like we mentioned, I just, just hand it off to Dalvin. That's all you need to do. So I'm going to take Vikings, but I also, it's like the Vikings aren't good enough to just keep beating everyone. So I don't know. That's a tough one. I think the, I think the Vikings defense has been playing better the last couple of weeks. I think the other point to note though, is that the bears just held Derrick Henry to like 70 yards rushing or something like that. So clearly their defense is, is better than what the Vikings have run into recently. I'm still going to take the Vikings though. Cause even with the run game being stopped, Justin Jefferson or as Zach likes to call him, George Jefferson and Adam Thielen and even Irv Smith are all showing up. So I really do think the Vikings offense could be legit, and that's why I'm taking the Vikings to take the, to beat the Bears this week. Lou, thank you for coming on, brother. Any last words for, hey. the, uh, for the guests? I appreciate you having me. Um, ready for a good season this year for the Dolphins and even a better one next year. Good luck to your fans, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. That was Monday's Down South. Catch you all next week. Peace out.